Everyone loves lists. This episode is chock full of them. It's time for our annual look back at the year 2019, this time with some added bonuses. Listen to them, children of the night. What music they make. Man. Are we supposed to know this song? No. <laughs> I just want to let everybody know. To look here, see. <laughs> I donned my best cap and tie, and I'm ready to get on one doozy of an episode. One doozy of an episode. Hey <laughs> then, Nickabaka. <laughs> We've got all our flapper costumes on. We're ready to get get jiggy with the new year. <laughs> I think my time machine's broken. I'm First not supposed to be here. You're not supposed to be here. You're not. You're not supposed to be here. See, <laughs> it's the first episode of 2020. You know. As always, I'm Palmer. I'm joined by my vibrant, refreshing, eager co-host Sam and Tomato. <laughs> hey, <man. laughs> Don't you call me Tomato, you. <laughs> We've been on a bit of a break from the podcast for the holidays, but not from each other. We've been hanging out, having parties, playing with babies, checking out films. Let's regale our listeners with our highlights, holidays, and hijinks. Woohoo! Sam, why don't you kick it off? What'd you get into over the Christmas, New Year's break? I watched 27 movies. 20. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't watched a movie since last Friday I've only been watching like I've only been watching like stupid TV shows and stuff to try to decompress Mm. because I was off for almost two weeks and Mary was working so I was usually just here alone by myself sounds about right watching three or four movies a day it's the life of a a retail husband yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) it's okay Sam it's okay. Sorry. I made it. I came out the other side. You did. You did. I wouldn't say necessarily better, but, you know, the same. But here you are. New Year, same <laughs> here are. New Year and same me. We we spent the New Year's with somebody who probably was alive during the Roaring Twenties. <laughs> <laughs> Your dad, Chucky! <laughs> Take that, Chucky. It was a good time. Yeah. Lots of, he enjoyed lots himself. Lots of fish cocktails. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sad cocktails. The, the shrimp platter. <laughs> yeah, it was a box social, everybody. <laughs> it's a froyo social. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Alex? What'd you get into? Some drinking and dancing. <laughs> what kind of dancing? Did you work? Do you even have a flapper outfit? Tell me you have a flapper outfit. I'm sure I have one. I feel like every woman like, like has one of those two, flapper two? dresses ran- randomly. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure I have a, a flapper costume in my box of Halloween costumes. My tutu was destroyed one Halloween <gasps> when I put it on my friend's dog. Oh, <laughs> no. No, he looked adorable. He looked adorable. What, he did w- you eat it? 
he ate it oh, eventually. No. As dogs do. He looks so cute in it, though. <laughs> I'm assuming he's like a larger-sized dog. It was Felix. Uh, oh, really? You put <laughs> yeah. Felix on Tinder? That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. a, did he go fetch a giant stick 300 <laughs> times his in own weight? <laughs> Those are called branches, <laughs> not sticks. They're trees. No, to him, it's a fucking stick. He expects you to throw it. It's like a tree trunk. <laughs> I remember when we were when we were camping and he was doing that. He just brought back that like like actually a tree trunk. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this log I found. You want to yeah. throw it? And I'm just like what? Cool. <laughs> <laughs> and Nathan's just like yeah. This is just this is normal. <laughs> this is normal. Uh, what did I get into? I had do? I had uh, well I spent it taking care of babies and multiple. Uh, well, the sometimes I like. I like, I like to guess. <laughs> I like to think that it's plural, because it cries enough for multiple babies. At least two babies. Um, no, he's wonderful. I uh, yeah, I spent it doing that, watching movies. Uh, went to Ohio to see the family for Christmas. Uh, to immediately come back and spend it with your family, Sam. Yeah, for New Year's. Well, my dad. Yeah, I mean, he's... The rest of my family. Yeah, Yeah, where the fuck were Brandon Chip? Florida. Mm, Their their annual migration to Florida. So they... they, But they don't do that every year. They were... Yeah, they do. No, because they were at uh, your New Year's last year, weren't they? I don't remember my New Year's last year. What did we do for New... No, weren't they at the last time you had New Year's in your apartment? We did New Year's at your house last year. Did we? Yes. Oh. Didn't... Weren't they there last time we were? Uh, no, oh, no, that was uh, Chris. Was Chris, Chris, yeah. Chris, 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 mm. Why didn't Chris come? Mm. <laughs> All right. Because so, just... he was in he was in Florida too. Oh, was he? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So we're back. First episode of 2020 of the Roaring Twenties. You'd think about it, though if if weed becomes legalized during the twenties, we could call it the Rolling Twenties. Oh my god, that'd be amazing. Top <laughs> <laughs> ten. But now I think Molly needs to be legal too. So then, then it's really the rolling twenties. <laughs> Jesus, I uh, I'm I'm sitting here drinking a a red for once in the winter. This is summer wine, clearly, but uh, I'm, drinking, <laughs> I'm drinking it during the winter. Have you been sitting on it for six months, mm-hmm. just holding it for this moment? Which uh, wine are you drinking? Apothic Crush. I've had it before. Which one? Crush. Crush. Uh, it's their smooth red blend. Smooth red. Ah. They had a massive sale on Apothic, so I'm going to be drinking nothing but Apothic for the next few weeks here. Did you get some nice winter whites? I did. I got... Uh, <laughs> I've got a nice winter white in a box upstairs if you Ooh, want some. I would love a winter white from the well, box. I have this one open already. I mean, if you mix them together, it's home. like a rosé. It's a rosé, yeah. Um, you can have yourself a blush in a bottle. God, so I was, somebody... This, play lots of World of Warcraft. Somebody in my guild was drinking a rosé during a raid. <laughs> was it Chris? And, and he was like, I don't <laughs> know if Chris. this makes me gay... It was uh, definitely Chris. But I really enjoy this, and I think my girlfriend's going to leave me. It's <laughs> like, oh, okay. I mean, I don't think, drinking I don't think it makes, you, makes gay. you gay. I just think it means you're a little basic. Yeah. That's some exactly. 2015 shit right there. If drinking rosé made you gay, then I would be super gay. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. You're not already? Well, you know. That was that one time in college. Is what they say. I'm just saying, like every time you get drunk, you try to like make out with my wife a little bit. That was one time. <laughs> that was one time. You're either doing that or telling me you want to mix diarrhea. I just me. like making. Is out that why people. she doesn't drink around you in public anymore? <laughs> I literally just drank in front of him. <laughs> it's true. I don't drink in front of Kelly anymore. 
<laughs> and Kelly doesn't drink around lies. you. That's what I'm saying. That's where the magic lies right there mm-hmm. between her and Kelly. It's uh, enough of the nonsense, though. Everybody's everybody's hitting. here. Everybody's here for one thing, and oh, it's th- disgusting. This whole episode's going to be littered with nonsense. No, right. it's going to be littered with the hard-hitting facts of our opinions. Of our opinions. Well, no, we got listener opinions. Oh, that's right. Those are the hard-hitting facts. Those are the hard-hitting facts. Yeah, everybody's here for the lists. First off, we're doing things a bit differently this year. On social media, we posted up a Google form that gave listeners and fans a chance to vote on their year's best and cast their vote for a couple of fun awards and highlights of highlights and lowlights of Mm. the past decade. Mm. Did we have trophies? There's sort of honorable (laughs) mentions, categories that some films will want to be in and other films probably not. (laughs) We've combined the Golden Globes and the Razzies into one form. (laughs) We have. We have. But people seem to have a lot of fun filling it out. We got a good amount of responses from it. And uh, I think a lot of people are looking forward to this episode. We got a couple Twitter messages asking when it was going to come out. Oh, great. Some Instagram messages asking when it was going to be out. Well, here it is. Yeah. Uh, So here we go. Let's get into our first annual... Uh, Terror and Podnito listener best of. Uh, kicking things off with, uh, well, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to pick that. That probably got picked up on the microphone of me sitting down my wine. Normally I put it on the coaster. Normally I put it on my coaster that was made by wonderful, wonderful fan. Uh, but... My coaster's on my right side right now, and I was holding my wine with my left side. Cool this story, is bro. absolutely enthralling <laughs> podcast. This is riveting content. Really, I'm just buying time because I realized that I did not have the form pulled up on my computer. So, Tell us more about your coaster placement. Uh, well, the coaster is uh, a little bit to the right of my computer behind, and my wine is on the left of the computer, mm, uh, mm. directly adjacent, probably, uh, you know, uh, mm. half, a, uh, half, half a, a foot, yeah, half a ruler separation there. Really dangerous, actually. Because if it got poured on there, it would just ruin my computer (laughs) if it got spilled. Uh, So, part one, listener responses for uh, Best of 2019. We started off with the uh, Best Horror Slash Genre Film of 2019, period. And, uh, well, this is an interesting one. The nominations we offered up were Us, Midsummer, or Midsommar, Midsommar. uh, The Lighthouse, and Doctor Sleep, and then obviously all these had write-ins also. So mm. we got a couple trolls, a couple, mm. couple people that wanted to submit Marvel movies. Adventures, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> best answer ever. Uh, so it was kind of all over the place, but uh, the it ended up being a tie uh, between Doctor Sleep and Midsummer. Mm. That's funny because we got another response because before before when we were looking at it. It Sorry, was, that's going to happen throughout this episode. It was uh, Dr. Sleep that was winning. That's right. Now it's tied 27.3% between Midsummer and Dr. Sleep together. Uh, the runner-up was The Lighthouse at 22.7%. I feel like people are just trolling me. No, I feel right. like Palmer probably filled this out five times. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would still... the oh, first. right. There were only five submissions. Shut up! <laughs> the, the first entry is me. The second entry is my son. The third entry is some guy named John Smith. Yeah. Yep. Don't you don't you give away my personal information on this podcast? Hey man, you're banned on Reddit now. It makes sense. No, nah, dude, I got my ban lifted. Good for you. Yeah, they liked my memes and, and reduced it to seven days. Happy 2020. <laughs> Go get some ice cream. Yeah, I should. I should. Uh, best ghost story. Um, the options we laid out were Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, The Curse of La Llorona, Annabelle Comes Home, and Eli. Uh, this one was a landslide. Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark won by 45.5%. Mm. 
Mm. Uh, the next closest was Eli at 22.7%. I was surprised to see so many votes for the Curse of La Llorona, to be honest. I'm surprised yes. to see any votes for it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that cons- like consistently came up on worst horror movies of the year list. It did. Yeah. Uh, but but just to be sure, somebody also submitted Avengers Endgame. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> it could be spooky. Uh, yeah. you, you know, I mean, I guess he does come it. back, right? Like, yeah. yeah sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Just this stupid time travel. How does that work? Uh, best zombie movie. We uh, offered up one cut of the dead. Zombie Land 2 Double Tap. The dead don't die in Little Monsters. Um this one was also pretty overwhelming. Zombieland two double tap one with fifty percent of the votes. Yeah, yeah. I I would I expected that. Yeah, so did I. To be honest, I mean, to be honest, I think I think if I was gonna choose one, I probably would have chosen uh, Little Monsters personally. Mm. But Zombieland two, I think just that was a popular vote right there. Name recognition. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, best a demon slash possession film. I did get somebody who messaged me that this was a spoiler for this movie, and I was like, "Yeah, you're right. My that bad. was a demon movie." Yeah. <laughs> Which one? Uh, for ready or not? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it's they kind of touch on it pretty early on in the movie. I don't know. Yeah, but if you don't see the movie, that so I mentioned it. I'll mention it later. Talk about it. How it's one of the few movies that like. We've always railed about how trailers tend to give too much away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this was one of those trailers that looked like a giveaway all of like the fun parts. Right. But when you actually go and see the movie, it just goes in a completely different direction. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the choices I offered up were uh, Satanic Panic, I Trapped the Devil, Annabelle Comes Home, and uh, Ready or Not. And Ready or Not won overwhelmingly with 59.1% of the votes. Creature Feature, uh, I offered up Crawl. 47 meters down, uncaged, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, and It Chapter 2. 50% of the votes went to Crawl. Or yeah. sorry, to uh, It Chapter 2, not Crawl. How many votes did Crawl get? Uh, Crawl got 22.7% of the votes with five votes total. Did anybody vote for 47 meters down, uncaged? Yes. One vote. That would probably be my wife then. <laughs> so we just watched it the other day. Yeah. Did she um, like it? So the first one is actually like... Pretty good. It is. This movie is so absurdly terrible, except for the last five minutes. Okay. Where they completely disregard the cave sharks and just go back to, like, dealing with normal sharks. So do the... Hmm. Do the sharks, are they able to see in no. these caves? Okay, no. so they're blind. They're, they're blind sharks. sharks. And, like, hyper-aggressive for whatever reason, but they can't detect things like bubbles. So, like... Mm-hmm. If you're in scuba gear and you're underneath it as it swims above your head uh-huh. and you exhale and all the bubbles hit it, apparently it has no idea that it you're there. It doesn't sense that, even though it's blind and it, it should be able to pick that up. Even though a normal easily. fucking shark would know. <laughs> right. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So that you're saying that there's some holes? A few. A couple. <laughs> not not the best researched shark movie mm. I've ever seen. I'd like to take a bite out of that one. Okay. I hear it would go swimmingly. Jeez. <laughs> Alex is me tonight, apparently. <laughs> we're trying out a new format. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're changing Conspiracies things Conspiracies and dad jokes. Well, the dad jokes part makes sense given I'm who li- your husband is. I'm like you I imagine they already. just rub off. <laughs> Plebe. Read. <laughs> you're, you're just nailing it. Just absolutely nailing it. 4chan. <laughs> Join my guild. <laughs> 
fucking perfect. <laughs> fucking perfect. Uh, best streaming film we uh, offered up in the tall grass. Velvet Buzzsaw. The Perfection. Tigers Are Not Afraid. Uh, this one went to in the tall grass with 31.8%. This one was pretty surprising to me, to be completely it, honest. Yes. Yeah, I think that's the worst movie of the list. It is. Really? Yeah. I think The Perfection is. I really didn't like that movie. Oh, but, that, yeah, that wasn't great either. Um, the, but but it, I feel like In the Tall Grass was just boring. Yeah, at least stuff happened in The it Perfection. Was, yeah. Like, it wasn't a good movie, but I'd, I'd watch... Tried. I would watch that again over rewatching In the Tall Grass. Yep. Hmm. I hear, hear. I didn't like dislike that movie as much as you guys did. I didn't think it was great, but I didn't... I don't. Well, think your I, big gripe with it was changing out that... The one um, scene. That one scene where... Yeah. Yeah. I just didn't understand the point of it. Yeah. But it is what it is. I found it dull. <laughs> I found it dull. I found it dull and mundane. <laughs> <laughs> uh, best horror comedy, Ready or Not, Harpoon, One Cut of the Dead, or Zombieland 2, Double Tap. This one went to Ready or Not overwhelmingly also. So basically everything that Ready or Not has been involved in has mm. won like in a landslide. So people really like that movie this year. I think it's the big takeaway from this. 54.5% of the votes for that. Uh, best slasher film. Uh, we offered up Child's Play, The Furies, Haunt, and Happy Death Day to You. Uh, this one went overwhelmingly to The Furies at 33%. 33.3%. Did anyone write anything else in for that one? Uh, yeah. Uh, Three from Hell and <laughs> Rise of the Skywalker. <laughs> I feel like this is my sister-in-law filling these out. <laughs> Oh, and I saw the old child's play. It was tight. That was another submission. <laughs> Thanks, Aiden. Yeah, right? <laughs> cool story. Um, next up, best remake. We offered up Pet Cemetery, Child's Play, Rabbit, and The Addams Family. Um, this one went to, what did it go to? Child's Play? 27.3%. It's interesting because it was Pet Cemetery overwhelmingly for a good portion of the week. When when we started putting this up, it was it was very strongly in favor of Pet Cemetery. I'm glad to see that that uh Child's Play ended up winning through. It also warms my heart to see that there weren't that many votes for Adam's family. Yeah. <laughs> you mean kids aren't listening to our podcast? I guess I guess not. No. Mm-hmm. Or seeing our stuff on Facebook. No. I sincerely hope the children are not listening to our podcast. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like you'd have to answer a few too many questions as a parent if your child was listening yeah. to this podcast. I feel like it would be a little bizarre. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe, maybe make for some awkward conversation. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Uh, next up, our final category for the best of 2019 was most disappointing film. We offered up It Chapter 2, Rob Zombie's Three from Hell, The Curse of La Llorona, and Hellboy. This one went overwhelmingly to Hellboy at 63.6%. That was the biggest margin of any of them. Uh, so I think it's fair to say that the takeaway is that Hellboy was a terrible movie. Here, here. <laughs> Have you watched it? Hellboy? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was I'm not I don't I don't have a problem with like overly gory movies, but like the gore in this movie in Hellboy just like didn't do anything for me i was just kelly Kelly and i were watching it and we were just both like this is just violent for the sake of being violent Mm. like there's really no point to it uh part two listeners decided on best of the decade uh this one was a total write-in so we had a whole bunch of submissions all over the place we had everything from shutter island to fucking uh dead snow 2 (laughs) that is a good movie (laughs) (laughs) but it got down to uh, two movies, two recent films, I guess, if you really think about the the latter half of the decade. Uh, Get Out 
and the witch. The witch won by one vote. Are you people just fucking with me? No, Palmer saw it tied, and he's like, all right, i got to add one more entry. So the interesting thing with the witch was that more people voted for the witch spelled with two Vs than they did for the witch spelled with a W. There's only one write-in for the witch spelled with a with w. w. All the rest of the write-ins are for the vitch. The I mean, if you're going to spell it, spell it right. Spell it right, exactly. No, I, I would, that is, it was a good movie. The witch? Yeah. I like the movie. I <laughs> she's she's being you. Remember? No, I, oh, I, never, okay. I never disliked. I just don't like it as much as you do. <laughs> would you have picked that as your best of the decade? No. What I, would you have picked for your best of the decade? Um, it would have been. Well, I guess we're gonna get into that. Yeah. Later. I was gonna say that's kind of my 2019. <laughs> <laughs> um. <clears throat> next up, we have some fun awards for stuff from all over. Well, from 2010 to. 2019 so yeah the past decade uh Mm -hmm. the first award is how could you fuck that up that badly award uh the ones we presented for nominations were the green inferno which came out in 2013 the nun which came out in 2018 a nightmare on elm street which came out in 2010 and open house which also came out in 2018 open house um this one was probably the Biggest margin. Actually, no. There's one margin larger than this. Uh, This is the second biggest margin out of any of the decade films. 45.5% went to A Nightmare on Elm Street in 2010. So we opened up the decade with uh, what people think was the most... The worst. The worst film. (laughs) What a a great start. Yeah, absolutely. Um, The next award was Best Start to a Mediocre Franchise Award. Uh, so we offered up The Purge, The Conjuring, Sinister, and Hell House. This was the only one that nobody wrote anything in for. Okay. So people seem pretty content with the options <laughs> here. Uh, this went overwhelmingly to The Conjuring at 40.9%. The second, I would absolutely the, agree with that. The, uh, the second one was The Purge mm-hmm. at 27.3%. Um, the You Just Don't Get It Man Award... <laughs> So this is for like pretentious movies, but people are really divisive on anything directed so, by Robert Eggers. And so the the response is, well, you just don't get it, man. You just don't understand you it, just, man. Maybe you just don't understand it, man. So we put up a whole bunch of options here: The Witch, The Lighthouse, Midsummer, uh, Hereditary, It Follows, The Babadook, and Mother. Um, this one ended up being a five way tie. Believe it or not, all of the following films. Are at nineteen percent. The Babadook, uh, Mother, The Witch, The Lighthouse, and Hereditary. It falls. Got people one are more confused by Hereditary than Midsummer. People. Oh, are... I think people just thought Hereditary was pretentious. Oh, okay. Uh, so, okay. like on the podcast, you would say that we would call these highbrow movies. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I would say Midsummer is way more pretentious yeah. than Hereditary. Yeah. Uh, that didn't even get. That didn't get a single vote. Hmm. hmm. Not a single one. That's interesting. I didn't I would even say notice m- that. If I had to, if I had to pick one to break that tie, I would say Mother. I think. Are we picking the the most hybrid? Does it mean we like that movie the most, or we think no, it's just the most? What's the most? No, it's just like, it's pretentious. I like think that Mother really is the most pretentious movie in that list, by far. I'm going with the Lighthouse. I also I have to preface it by saying I. Have not seen the lighthouse. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably. Uh, 
But I don't like Mother the most. I'm just saying it's the most pretentious. Yeah, yeah. I'd probably I'd probably have to pick Mother also, to be like, honest. Like, come on with that movie. <laughs> just come on. You didn't like your allegories in it? I mean, I like a good allegory. <laughs> I minored in English, but fuck me. Is that the one with the, what's her face? Jennifer. Jennifer uh, Lawrence. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and Javier Bardem. Yeah. Who I also love. Yeah. And Ed Harris, who I also love. Yeah. It's got a great cast. And it does. strangely, Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Michelle mm-hmm. Pfeiffer's been. Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer. <laughs> that is from now on how I am saying Michelle that. Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, that is, that is always going to be that from here on out. Is that not how you used to say it in your head? No. <laughs> no, I have never said it Michelle that way. Michelle Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer. <laughs> That's happening from now on, though. Next up, we have the controversial AF award that went to, uh, well, there's there's all, four movies that we offered up here. A Serbian film, uh, The Human Centipede 2, full sequence, Jeepers Creepers 3, and the house that Jack built, uh, it was uh, overwhelmingly a Serbian film. Fifty percent of the votes. Although it is interesting to note that that the house that Jack built was second. Okay. After you see the first Human Centipede, yeah, is it really that controversial? Is anything that follows still appears that... on a lot of controversial lists? Yeah. Explain to me Jeepers Creepers three. Is it just because the director, the director is controversial? Yeah, okay. a whole bunch of people were. He's a pedo, right? Yeah, yeah. were railing against it because they were like, "Why are you supporting like, a pedophile?" Yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, you so... got to separate the art. <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> just to, pr- I do not, not agree with that, that statement. Joke. I'm not going to touch that joke. <laughs> nope, we're not going to read that one out on the podcast. I mean, are we really happy. confused or surprised that that guy? Yeah, that guy is a child toucher. Looks like a chomo. I wouldn't let that kid any. I wouldn't let that guy anywhere near my child. I wouldn't let that guy anywhere near my fucking he animals. Legit has a pedophile <laughs> mustache. Good for him. <laughs> get on with your bad get on, mustache. Get on with your bad mustache. <laughs> Somebody's got a ride, right? <laughs> All right, that one's getting cut uh, out. Yeah, it's, you it's get, you're getting real dark in your, Don't look let at, that dark shit in your brain. One. Oh yeah, don't let that shit in your brain yeah, melt. That out. looks like he shaved like the middle he shaved part the of Hitler his part off. He got rid of so the Hitler the, part. Okay, yeah, yeah, he's he's the anti-Hitler. We, need to, keep, we need to move on. I'm gonna get a lot of trouble if we stay on this topic. <laughs> uh, the final award is the it's not original, but I'll take it award. Uh, this one goes to basically all the, I guess, popular remakes that, mm. that came out in the past decade. We offered up Halloween, mm-hmm. uh, the 2018 one, obviously. Evil Dead, 2013. Suspiria, 2018. Piranha 3D, 2010. It, Chapter 1 and 2. Uh, and then Maniac, 2012. Uh, this one overwhelmingly went to Evil Dead. Good choice. Yeah. Um, that was a phenomenal movie. It was a really good movie. I'm surprised... It got as much love as it did, though, because I, I feel like I see more and more hate for it online okay. than I do love for it these days. Yeah. But it is was is uh, the, the second one or the runner up was at chapter one and two, which I think I think sounds about right. I uh, was happy to see that Piranha Three D did get one vote, though. It was you. Yeah, it was your vote. You voted. No, it was not. <laughs> I did not submit a vote. Don't ask surprise. Don't act like you don't know. <laughs> Oh, you didn't oh, know? Oh, you don't know. Uh, so that is for the listener awards for this year and for the decade. Um, Good job, listeners. You yeah. all win. You know, I was really surprised to see the amount of participation we got out of these. I feel like you submit Google Docs to people or something mm. like or the, the Google Forms, and nobody fills them out, like, ever. Yeah. 
We got a, we got a fair amount of feedback. I think people like to have their opinions heard. Yeah, especially people, when it comes to movies, people like talking about what movies they like and dislike. For sure, we for literally sure. have a podcast centered around it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listeners, that was your time to shine. Now it's our time to shine. Get out of here. It's time for the main event <laughs> with uh, our best of 2019 list, our top five best and our one worst, followed by um, our best of the decade. But we're doing our best of the decade a little different. We're picking one film from each year that we really enjoyed. So I guess it's our top ten from the decade per yes. year. Best film of each year of the decade. How about that? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That sounds like a BuzzFeed list. <laughs> it's because this is absolutely a fucking BuzzFeed <laughs> and list. And what breakfast cereal that makes you. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to tonight's main event. Warning, everybody, from this point on, there may be spoilers for movies that you may not have seen. If that's something you can't handle, then you should probably uh, go watch every horror movie that's been released this year and then turn the episode back on, or, you know, just get over it and enjoy the films for what they are. I've got a list of 176 of them if you need help. There you go. (laughs) Sam can push push that to the Twitter at some point. Uh, I'm going to preface this by saying that this is... At least for me, mm. I feel like this is the most mainstream horror list that I've done this mm. year. Uh, well, for for any year that we've oh, we've only done this, only the third year of us doing this, but but uh, this is by far the most mainstream horror list uh, for me. Um, I don't know. It's weird. It's a weird year for horror. I think. I don't think I was as pleased with it as a lot of people were. When you say mainstream, you're talking like theatrical. Yeah, theatrical okay. wide releases. Okay, got it. I was. Also quite disappointed with horror this year, I think. Yeah, I was just... I was, just, I was specifically disappointed with U.S. horror. Theatrical. U.S. US horror. horror was not very good. Foreign horror, I think, this year uh, definitely made up the gap. Well, I just, but I found myself not being that impressed with a lot of the indie releases mm-hmm. that I was watching yeah, either. they weren't very good. Um, it was a weird year. As a result, I've got a lot of genre stuff on my list that may or may not be... I, don't, I really don't know that a lot of the stuff that we discussed this year as horror would should really be classified as horror. Okay. That's fair. Um, well, genre. Yeah. Genre. I think that's really the best, I guess, the best way. Whatever the fuck genre means. Yeah. <laughs> it means I other, just, the other stuff. Yeah, I think it's just like a weird catch-all for like, oh, you're not going to see this at the Golden Globes. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, this is something that isn't horror, but horror fans would probably enjoy. Enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. It's has a mood yes it's moody <laughs> it's moody it's moody it's perhaps brooding or moody or yes. somewhat psychological but there not... might be scenes of graphic violence that most mainstream viewers will not like but, exactly but horror fans will look past and, <laughs> and enjoy the rest of the film yeah celebrate yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hurrah <laughs> um as always as is tradition we're kicking things off with uh our most, most disappointing film okay. of the year. All right. Uh, and I'll, I'll start it. I'll start it. Uh, my most disappointing film this year was Rob Zombie's Three from Hell. This movie, and I really don't know what to say about this movie. I walked away lukewarm from it when we saw it in theaters. Yeah. Uh, I feel oh, this like is most my... disappointing. I thought this was worst. Or is that interchangeable? It's interchangeable, I, I think. I feel like you can kind of... Inter- I would consider this the worst, the worst movie that I've seen this year. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, I walked away lukewarm from, from it. And I feel like I gave it a more forgiving... We didn't really review it, but we shared our thoughts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like I was more forgiving of it than I am now. You've had some time to I've stew had, on it. Yeah, I've had time have to you, stew on it. Have you watched it since? I've watched it again, okay. yeah. Um, I just don't understand what the hell the point of this film was. Like, he wrapped everything up with a nice little bow in the second one. Mm. Had the Fire Family go out in a bla- or Firefly family go out in a blaze of glory. And brought them back with some deus ex machina mechanics just to parade them around. <laughs> For shoddy writing and poor execution. Like, the movie takes a bit of an interesting turn when the gang enters Mexico, but it feels like it's really just an ode to something that we've seen Robert Rodriguez do better than Zombie is capable of doing. I don't know. It's 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 at least better than he's he wrote it at this point in time. I don't want to say that he's capable of doing, because I do mm. I do still like the guy. Um I don't, the cast works well with what they have, aside from Bill Mosley, who I really feel like is phoning it in as Otis, especially when he compared to his first two movies. He doesn't have the energy or the interest in the script, and I think it kind of shows, um, especially when you compare it to like Devil's Rejects. Mm-hmm. And it's Otis is such a quintessential character. Yeah. He's the main part of the Firefly family. I yeah. feel like he really makes those movies something special. Yeah. And so like, if part of it makes sense at the end of the film when you kind of see him in his underwear and he's surrounded by hookers and he's drink, he's burying himself in, a, in tequila bottles. But like the intensity that made him such an on-screen monster is just, it's really missing. Um, To give it some con- good feedback, I do still f- feel the same way that I felt about uh, Sherry Moon's performance. Uh, I think some parts of it are still kind of cringeworthy, but there are points where she actually seems like she's trying new stuff, and some of it works. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's the more I think about this movie, the more I just get mad about it. Not because of the fact that it exists; that's Zombie's prerogative. But it's really just such such a clear cash grab from mm. the studios, the executives, and and I guess Zombie. They all just saw an opportunity to make some quick money, and they seized it. And this is really, it's it's my worst slash most disappointing film of the year. I've seen movies that I think are probably worst in direction, mm. but don't feel as soulless as this film does yeah i think i think that's my biggest issue with it is it really does it just feels like a soulish cash grab and i feel like it was hyped and he said that he didn't want to bring these characters back unless he had a good enough reason to or a good enough script and this doesn't did this seem like a good enough reason Yeah. yeah at all period um do you think some of that's chalked up to him having to rewrite a bunch of stuff because of what was going on with sid only so much (laughs) like i can understand you needing to rewrite some stuff but i feel like if you had like a strong core character or something for sid to do like i feel like he probably introduced uh break's character as the takeover for sid right Mm. and if the strong writing was still there i really love richard break i think he's a fantastic actor but even he can't fucking salvage this movie yeah his character was kind of pointless like he's even good in doom dude and doom is a (laughs) terrible movie (laughs) Like he he doesn't even seem like he's good in this movie. Yeah, and it's it's not his fault. He's doing the best of the material. It's really the writing. The writing of this entire film is just it's not good. It's not good. It's yeah. just not good. Yeah. Um, and yeah, as a result, you know, bringing something back like this that you know is going to generate this much hype, that you know is going to be such a uh, an important thing to the people who are fans of this franchise, because that's what it is at this point. It's a franchise. Um, 
This seems like you're kind of spitting all mm. over it. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. a hopefully over franchise. Yes. yes. I really don't want to see anything more from this at all, period. I like the poster, though. Yeah, the poster's the poster's, fucking poster's dope. good. Poster's dope. Poster's way better than the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, what about you? So I'm wondering if this will be controversial or not, because I really had a hard time coming up with my... Um, least favorite slash most disappointing and i don't necessarily know that this is the worst movie out last year but it was the most disappointing and worst movie for me would be uh it chapter two i can i really i I thoroughly enjoyed the first one i thought we did that was our first episode of the podcast and i think we really got to dive into it and i was really excited for the second one and i just think it fell completely flat I left with how many more minutes left in the movie? Yeah, about, 20. about 20. Yeah, about 20 And I have minutes. no interest in watching it. So <laughs> you haven't watched it since? No, where friendship is magic and saves the day. Yeah, and and bullying is yeah. the, the key to defeating evil? No, yeah, don't care. No interest at all. I feel like it had a stellar cast, the, the casting matching up the, the children with their adult counterparts did a really good job. Compliments for the movie pretty much stopped there. I think that it was a meandering storyline. Uh-huh. With a subpar, I don't know, climax. <laughs> I just, and it was, I, way, I think it, they, how do I say? Like, it was really funny, and I don't feel like, it. in parts it's good to be funny. I feel like even the original one, and then the first one of the new, was funny, but I feel like they had just... It was a mess. I feel like they gave it the Marvel treatment, you know, like it has to be funny yes. type of thing. It felt I, forced. I think it was mostly Bill Hader. I think Bill Hader's character was written wrong. Yes. Because well, we've seen that he can do plenty of stuff without seriously. being funny. Right. But I think they just gave him the green light and was like, yeah, do do whatever you want. Be do as funny you? as you want. And but he doesn't even seem as a, as a person that he needs to be just unnecessarily funny all the time. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't like... I feel like they definitely added some stuff that wasn't in the book, which I'm fine with. Take some liberties with the source material. It's not a problem with me, but I don't Get think... rid of the weird turtle? Yeah, I think it fell a little bit flat. Okay. I found it just to be very disappointing, considering how good I thought the first one was. Yeah, I feel like the first one was leaps and bounds ahead of the second one. Yeah. It's like Stephen King can't write endings. <laughs> And apparently nobody else can. <laughs> to be fair, I don't think he wrote the ending of this. I think yeah, he, he probably would have been but, fucking disappointed by the ending of this one, too. But he wrote the book, and as a result... <laughs> this is the ending we get. This is the ending we get. Sam, what about you? All right. All right, Palmer. You talked me out of Deep Murder being my worst movie of the year. That's because it's actually a good movie. You gave it a .75, I saw, on your 0.25. list. Or po- oh, .25. Jesus Christ, what? Yeah. Although I'm going to go back and probably change that a little bit. Uh, I'll probably bump it up to a .75. You don't have to bump it up. If you think it's a .25, then, well, then no, buy, by all means. Because this will explain why I'm going to do it. So you sent me this fucking stupid-ass article by Vulture. And the direct quote you sent me was, Thanks to its novel premise, what if a slasher took place on the set of a softcore porn, but it's not actually a set and everyone's just a stock porn trope, and complete commitment... To its in-world rules, it's practically impossible for this movie to fail. That doesn't mean that movie's good, but... <laughs> it's uh, the Red Shoe Diaries of, of, of horror, of horror movies? Yeah. <laughs> and considering some of the other movies that end up on Vulture's list, and I'm specifically talking about Bliss here, uh, yeah. mm. where if I have to hear someone shoehorn the word fuck into a movie that many times, it better be Samuel L. Jackson. Um, <laughs> I'm not really going to take what they say as like 
pure gospel. Oh, that, yeah. No, <laughs> so I, was really just fuck, I was just really fucking with you when I linked that Vulture thing. But, so that's... Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm not, I don't think it's a top five film either. My, or a top film of the year. But, my but, worst but, movie of the year is going to be Garden Party Massacre. Um, oh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't watch that one. And uh, so when compared to Deep Murder... Uh, why would this be worse? One movie's a trashy, stupid piece of shit with a dumb premise that you don't expect to be anything more than it is, let alone good. And then the other movie's Deep Murder. Um, <laughs> uh, whereas, like, Deep Murder at least made me laugh a couple times, especially yeah. uh, the scene of the supposed star quarterback jock mm. who can't oh, throw a football. Yeah. yeah. Um, Garden Party Massacre is claimed, apparently, to be a wacky spoof in the vein of Shaun of the Dead and Tucker and Dale vs. Evil. Uh, it centers around a small group of friends having the saddest summer party I've ever seen, um, being attacked by a crazy person who might be an escaped psycho from some nearby facility, who turns out to be an acting friend of one of the partygoers, ends up getting beaten to death, and then an actual zombie break uh, outbreak takes center stage for the last ten minutes of this movie. Um, that sounds dumb. Yeah. <laughs> it's got awful dialogue, wet paper-thin plot, which includes a is-he-or-isn't-he-gay subplot, Somehow worse acting and a set that makes whack, uh, makes waxwork look like the setting of a Spielberg AAA title. <laughs> um, but somehow, and this is why I watched it, somehow this movie has a 7.7 .7 on IMDb and 4.6 out of 5 on Amazon where you can stream it and burn 70 minutes of your life away watching what's somehow considered a great comedy horror. But what did Google users think? Uh, that part I actually <laughs> didn't see. I don't think I they actually saw a rating for it. Yeah. Um, those 70 minutes are filled by at least 10 to 15 minutes worth of camera cuts that just fill up the time. Okay. Where somebody says something and the camera just like pans back and forth um, for an excessive amount of time. Okay. Um, like like that 70s show type of like yes. they're all sitting they're around yeah. and, like, the smoking weed. And nobody's saying anything. Oh. Yeah. Um, that happens multiple times in this movie hmm. uh, to fill up time. Um, maybe this movie is just too highbrow for me. Um uh, something tells me that Garden Party Massacre, maybe, though, though, though I have not seen it, does not scream highbrow. Yeah. Maybe, just maybe, it's a legitimately terrible movie whose fans should be ashamed of themselves. This maybe. movie was atrocious. Atrocious. Big oof. Big oof, indeed. Big oof. It does have 7.7 .7 out of 10 on Amazon. Yeah, it's shocking. But in in... Out of like fourteen, I was going to say it's only eleven reviews. Yeah. so it's it's, there, it's shocking how that there bad are, this fucking movie was. It is okay. possible that there are eleven stupid people on the internet. It might. <laughs> I might Maybe. have been. Maybe. I might have been the twelfth person to watch this movie. That's also a and nobody has watched it since. <laughs> how did you find out about this film? Uh, it was one of the ones that was on the now slaying list, and I was just kind of scrolling through and just. Picking out things that I could find on oh. streaming services. He stopped to go at Garden Party Master and said, "This this, this one right it. here speaks <laughs> to me." Well, because I kept one of the things is like I would I would be on Amazon looking for stuff to watch and I would keep seeing it like pop up in like similar titles or recommended titles or whatever, and I kept confusing it with uh, another movie with a similar premise that I can't remember right now that I have seen. Mm. Um, I was like. And eventually, I just started as like, no, this is not the movie I thought it was. Okay. All right. That's fair. Okay. All right. Well, getting into the movies that we actually enjoyed this year, uh, starting with number five, uh, I picked Crawl. Hmm. Hmm. Um, I really enjoyed this movie a lot. 
Obviously, that's why my, it's my top that's five. That's why it's on your top five. Um, Alexander Aha's summer-released creature feature was a simple premise. A massive hurricane hits Florida and unleashes a bunch of massive gators on some people stranded in a small town. It doesn't really take much more than that to create a genuine treat, especially with Sam Raimi alongside Aha in terms of production. Um, the film, I feel like with those kind of names, at least in my mind, it's set to be a surefire hit. Mm-hmm. And that apparently was the case in the box office because it made more than enough money to, uh, to, to well, break even. Not yeah. even break even, better. Yeah, it made money. Even. Yeah, it made money for them. Um, especially, I think, when you like look at AHA and his history with Creature Features and just his, his penchant for making good B-grade <laughs> movie horror, um, I didn't see how this one was going to be a failure in my eyes. Um, the acting was kind of to be expected. Nothing really stellar, but more of a vehicle to fuel the on-screen tension and carnage from point to point. Um, the dynamic between the main two characters, I will say, though, uh, Haley, uh, played by, what was her name? Kaya Skoldalario? Skoldalario. You Skoldelario. nailed that. <laughs> I got it. I can do it. Uh, and her tough love... Dad, Dave, played by Barry Pepper. That was much easier. Um, was was but is it Barry Pepper? Pepper. It was surprisingly endearing. I really actually kind of liked their dynamic. Uh, the CGI left something to be desired at points, bordering on made-for-TV at certain instances, especially when it came to the alligator animations, but it wasn't enough to pull me away from enjoying the film. The weather effects were also a bit slipshod at points, but eh, overall, they were, they were much better. Um, there were... Uh, a few creative instances that kind of helped fuel the carnage from one scene to another, offering fan service in between the more grueling one-on-one family scenes. So we got, like, a couple really awesome gore scenes of, like, people getting eaten by gators, and it didn't feel, like, out of the ordinary that suddenly there were other people that, that were, were getting attacked. Um, so I... I don't know. For a year of cinema events that left me kind of disappointed, this one managed to be a win for me. I hope studios take more chances on films like this, ones that aren't necessarily low budget, but more medium-sized budget fun flicks that are um, yeah, cram-packed with tension and isolation and, and some impressive effects as well. I think it was estimated $13.5 million to make, so it's definitely not as low as something like uh, Ready or Not, mm. but it, it, uh, it made its money back and then some. So I hope studios will take more chances and maybe try to release something more along these lines. Um, larger set pieces are getting harder and harder to find in horror, but this film proved that you can still release them and be successful. Mm. All right. What about you? Um, kicking off the list for number five, I picked Hegazusa. Oh, Which okay. I feel okay. like it's funny because it's often compared to The Beach. <laughs> So, I still need to go back and actually watch that movie. I started it and never went okay, back to finish it. Okay, so Hagazusa is a... I can see why you probably like that one more than The Witch, though. Right. It was much more like, like Mandy in terms of like visuals. It was and, trippy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it takes, it's about a, um, it takes place in 15th century, I think Germany or Switzerland or something like that. Um, there's an orphan, Albrun, who grows up to be a marked woman and everyone in her town believes that she is a witch. Um, but does she float? Well, we don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of, um, you know, really subversive things that happen. It, it is a slow and brooding, you know, folklore style, style horror film. It obviously has subtitles, so you have to be paying attention. But I like this movie because, like The Witch, it's, I feel like it's open into lots of interpretation, theorizing about what the movie is exactly about. It's also 
extremely beautiful to watch. And although the dialogue is minimal, um, the acting I think is very good. It's just a, it's a good, you know, hour and a half of, if I can chime, I really Absolutely. did. I did. I really did appreciate the way that uh, that film. Like, especially, there's like two specific points where you think it's going to go in one direction mm. and it kind of veers completely into another. Yeah. Um, I don't really want to give too much away, but but yeah, there's there. I. It would be a runner up for me mm-hmm. for this year. I did enjoy it a lot. It's open or it's available on Amazon Prime for free if you have an account. I would highly recommend watching it. Yeah, it's on Shutter too. It's on Shutter, yeah. I think, That's where I, think I started watching it. Um, it's also got a kind of it's it the the soundtrack is only got a couple you know melodic tones on it, but it's very good. <laughs> Like I said, I I can see why <laughs> you liked that one a little yes. more than the witch. It's very it's like man if if Mandy met <laughs> took, the witch, yeah. <laughs> if Mandy took place in 15th century Germany, yeah. <laughs> in the Alpine mountains. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Sam, so I want to start this off by saying uh, Palmer and I went and saw Parasite in theaters while I was playing here, um, which initially I'd heard reports that it was considered a genre film, and after we had walked out. Uh, it doesn't seem like it is. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, if it was, that would be in my top five knocking this movie off. Um, but my number five is Double Date. Oh, I really did like that oh, movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was, movie a good was really one. good. So Palmer hyped this movie up a whole lot, and I really wasn't disappointed. Uh, it was originally made in 2017 in the UK, uh, but it didn't make its US debut until this year, uh, getting a digital release. Um, general gist of this movie is it's kind of like a modern take of Hostel, where two friends, one a virgin, uh, go out with the goal of getting the virgin laid uh, they, uh, before his 30th birthday. The promise is to make sure he has sex before he turns 30, um, and his birthday is the next day. Um, they encounter a couple of sisters who immediately take a liking to them. They go party, they get drugged, and then hijinks commence. Um, the movie ends in a similar fashion to another one that's in my top five, where the cops show up right as everything's wrapped up, finding the blood covered and beaten survivors and what's left of the killers in a big fucking house. Uh, it's a well placed or well paced and structured comedic breaks throughout the movie that help explain the backstory to the characters. Uh, we get to meet uh, the Virgin family mm-hmm. while he's drugged out of his fucking mind, and they have a little dance party for his birthday, and they're all wearing T-shirts with this big dopey face on it. Um, we get. Uh, character development of his douchey friend who's made the promise to get him laid, where we meet his trailer-living dad who's kicking a hooker out of his place. Oh, all um, right. So it's got lots of character development. There is character <laughs> development. Uh, there's a fantastic fight scene that rivals uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper and Keith David's fight in They Live as the longest drawn-out throwdown in cinema. Uh, we've got ritual sacrifice and even a head getting kicked clean off a fucking body. Um it's usually really hard to cram all of that kind of stuff into any movie and have it actually work and be good, especially in a somewhat condensed time because I think this movie was under an hour and a half. Um, but they pulled it off. They found a way. And uh, this this is my number five. All right. That sounds very good. Uh, number four for me, Ready or Not. Uh, I think this is probably going to make a, its appearance on a few, on maybe one or two of your lists as well. Um, I think we all kind of knew that this movie was going to be something special, but I honestly didn't have an idea of kind of how special it was going to be. It caught me totally off guard in terms of, of 
how much I was going to enjoy it. The film had a trailer that that we all initially thought gave away mm. way too much um, of the plot, but it still ended up harboring laughs and surprises that I don't think any of us really expected. Samara Weaving was a breath of fresh air the entire time she was on the screen, bringing a lot of the charisma she exuded in The Babysitter, but also paired it with a lot of vulnerability. Um, she did a great job of balancing her ability to both del- to deliver both punchlines and blows, um, much like she did in Mayhem, but... This time, it came down to her ability to make you feel for her when she was in dire straits, which showed a side of her that you don't often see in a horror comedy. Um, Adam Brody and Andy McDowell uh, as Daniel and Becky Le Domas were were, um, screen stealers as well. I really enjoyed their performances, helping the audience through each twisted turn uh, the film went through. With smiles and gasps in equal measure. Uh, Ready or Not is not one of those films that... uh, Sorry, it is one of those films that grows on you. <laughs> uh, unlike like a lot of horror comedies, it doesn't feel like it's a one-and-done type of viewing. Uh, sequential things offer up Easter eggs and casually dropped one-liners that bring more to life about the characters in the world. That creative trio, Tyler Gillette, Matt uh, Badalini, Open, and Chad Villela, uh, better known as Radio Silence, brought to life. Yeah, um, it's easier just to say that. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Um <laughs> The one I don't I really feel like this one easily stands alongside stuff like Tucker and Dale versus Evil mm-hmm. and Behind the Mask, um, Shaun of the Dead, that kind of thing, as one of like the must see yeah. horror yeah. comedies. I feel of like it was really modern well, horror comedies. Yeah, I feel like it was really well recepted when we were in the theater. People liked it, and then you know articles afterwards. People yeah, really liked it. It's also been interesting, kind of seeing, um, you know, I've kind of gotten to know. <laughs> fan tastes and stuff of people mm-hmm. that that we interact with regularly on Twitter and Instagram and that kind of thing. And it's been surprising seeing this one pop up consistently in a whole bunch of different Instagram feeds mm-hmm. and Twitter feeds from people that I didn't necessarily think were going to be all over this one. Yeah. So, it's, I feel like most of the um review sites and whatnot or any any sites that have reviewed horror movies. Mhm consistently have this if not in their top five then at least in their top ten yeah i have seen it in a lot of top ten lists for sure um i hope it's a big sign to disney to keep keep trying to release this kind of stuff yeah so hopefully we'll see more of it from from 20th century fox so for my number four i picked a british film called in fabric Ooh, i wanted to watch that one i didn't get to yeah so this was released on december 6th it's written and directed by Peter Strickland and distributed. It's an, actually an A24 janks. Um, it's pretty, pretty much it's a British dark horror comedy about a dress that is possessed. Oh, we discussed this at one point, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, that stalks and kills anyone pretty much who comes, you know, to own said dress. Um, it's funny. It's really a stylized movie. It's kind of it has like almost like a Giallo-esque feel to it with a really stand-up cast um it does not take itself too seriously but it's just really good good fun um there's also i think sort of some meta commentary on consumerism um it was supposed to come out during um what's that fashion week no that holiday where everyone goes shopping and gets into fights Black Friday, thank you. But it came out late, unfortunately. But it's just a really, really good movie. It's um, who directed that one? Do you know? It, Peter Strickland. Oh, okay. So written and directed by Peter Strickland. Oh. There's also sort of these witches that, um, you know, 
talk people into buying these pieces of clothing from this like very 80s bargain brand department store and they all speak like they're on perfume commercials (laughs) nice so it's a very good movie it's also on amazon that one's not available for streaming though. you have to purchase that one that's true you have to rent it if you want it's like 3.99 but it's very good it has um oh my goodness marianne jean baptiste she's in a bunch of stuff and she is amazing in it I'll have to, I'll have to okay. watch that one. I really wanted to see that before the end of the year. Yeah, it's very. It's also just a very beautiful movie. I did not realize it came out this year. For some reason, I thought it was coming out like like early spring. See, this is year. why you should actually tune in and listen every once in a while when I go through the now nah. slaying stuff. Nah. <laughs> Instead of just zoning out for five to ten minutes. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Sammy? So this one's not far from uh, the UK. I'm going over to France for this one. With Climax. Uh, we've got drugs, we've got dancing, we've got sex. We are all French, and there's colors. We are all French. We oh, 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 oh. uh, Gaspar No uh, reads a story about a dance troupe that gets dosed when their drinks get spiked. Uh, and probably watched Suspiria and Mandy a few dozen times, probably spiking his own drinks. And this is what we went, uh, end up with. A crazed four-act movie. With colors, thumping sounds, wild dance and sex scenes, and a hefty amount of violence thrown in. We also get a who done it, who spiked the punch. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're gonna chuck people outside in the middle of a blizzard because we're all fucked up and accusing this person of doing it. Uh, so you just gotta wait and see. Um, the best thing about this movie, because the at the end of the day, pretty much that synopsis tells you everything you need to know about this movie. There's no like coherent plot for it, and the reason is. Uh, Mostly how it was written. Uh, the cinematography and the background of how it's made are actually incredibly fascinating and play out wonderfully on screen. Um, the movie is actually filmed sequentially in the order you see it on the screens. Mm. Um, there's a pair of single-take se- uh, single sequences and not fake single-take sequences where they pan across like a dark background to try to splice two scenes together. Right. Actual single-take sequences, uh, one of which is actually, I think, 43 minutes long. Um most of the dialogue is ad-libbed. Most of the acting is ad-libbed, as well as the dancing. The only dance scene that was uh, initially choreographed was the first... The first dance scene? Not even the first dance scene. It's the first minute and a half of the dance scene. That dance, that dance scene takes about four and a half minutes. Okay. Everything after that... Um, Everything after that first minute or so is on the spot. And this is somewhat loosely based on a real event? Yeah, so it's the, I think it was a French dance troupe that it was after their rehearsals were done for the year or whatever, they threw a party. Right. And at this party, their drinks all got spiked with LSD. And Mm. in real life, nothing actually happened. That was more or less the end of the story. But Jasper No heard about it and said, well, what if... Uh. Everything goes fucking everything sideways. Bad happens. <laughs> um, and so it it just gets fucking crazy. And the color palette, very reminiscent of what we saw in Mandy. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of pinks, lots of bright colors, purples, things like that. Um, incredibly disorienting camera shots uh, that combined with the soundtrack of this movie and the colors that are thrown at you make you feel like you're there on LSD mm. going through this fucking nightmare with them um does the movie make sense or does it have a purpose honestly who gives a shit when you take mandy's color palette and suspiria's dance academy and just pump it full of lsd i really enjoyed the camera 
shots on that film because it really made you feel like you were at the party with them. Yeah. The way it moved. Yeah. Yeah, like you it felt really does. The camera was a character in and of itself. It's almost like a one-shot thing the entire time. It was incredible. Yeah. Especially, you know, when uh, there's the scenes of them on the dance floor before they start to get really fucked up. It, so that first dance scene... Uh, so that that dance scene, the, the the movie opens with the it's with actually the ending of the movie, right? Where you see the girl in the something, snow. Something he really enjoys doing. Yeah, <laughs> director really enjoys. Yeah. Oh, he is does. that a, is that a that, staple that, of that's his? That's a staple. Yeah, watch your Okay. Um, <laughs> but that scene that opens up with the the big <clears throat> dance rehearsal. Mm-hmm. Be, part of the reason they did that at the beginning of that scene is because that's the forty three minute take. Okay. And they did seventeen takes. Of that entire sequence, mm-hmm. um, where like they would get a little further and further along each time, and I think the last four takes they wound up shooting the entire forty-three minutes. Mm. Um, but the final one that makes it to film, I think, is the final take they did. Okay. Um, so every time they were just kind of ad-libbing something new, right? Well, because um, the majority of the cast in that movie are actual dancers, right? Yeah. They're not actors; they're no, dancers. The, there are two people that are actual actors. One of which was also a professional dancer. Oh, okay. Um, I don't remember her name. It was the big bald blonde, uh, the big bald black girl that kicks the oh, pregnant one. Yeah. Oh yeah, right in the stomach. Yeah. <sighs> Dreadful. Fun times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Kicking things off with number three. Uh, Tires are not afraid. Uh, that's my choice for this one. Um, this is the first of three films on my list that I really would not consider horror. Mm. Uh, I think they're kind of more of the open-ended genre pieces that, that we were talking about earlier. Um it's still something that I think horror-centric viewers would really enjoy, though. Set in modern-day Mexico, Tigers Are Not Afraid explores the horrors of cartel violence through the eyes of a child, offering up a world of dark fantasy invented by innocence to explain carnage. Um, if there's any country in the world that has been able to take truly dark fantasy to new heights, it's been Mexico. This <laughs> film really oozed the atmosphere and magic of Penn's Labyrinth um, mm. back in 2006, but... It placed it in a modern setting, forcing audiences to take a long look at a problem that's ravaging a country that's really not very far from us. Um, the creatures, the set pieces, the magic, it's all there. The sadness seeping in between each new screen uh, or new scene is kind of a, a revelation isn't really the right word. It's like <laughs> it's a it's, revelation. <laughs> but it's like it's it. It kind of comes across with that same same like it makes you really realize like. There's probably shit like this going on mm. all the time. Yeah. Um, and it's it makes it a palatable watch because of the kind of it's it it's not just constant sadness, you know. The 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 fantasy kind of helps pad mm-hmm. a lot of what's going on. Um, That's fair. Both in terms of the characters and for the audience mm-hmm. um because it's it's rough <laughs> yeah these are fucking kids dude they're like yeah. they're like eight or nine and mm-hmm. they're all going through some horrible horrible shit um child actors are really hard to work with but the whole cast of this uh is is fantastic Paolo lara um neri arandondo and uh what's his name hansel casillas they're all all amazing amazing actors for such such young yeah young yeah. people um it's it's really it, talent is the best word to describe it um it's pretty easy to forget that this is just a movie 
uh, Issa Lopez has directed something that's nothing short of a masterpiece. The only reason that it's not at number one on my list is because there are just two things that I found to stand just a hair above of. Hair Funny above thing it. is, those two things are actually one thing twice. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm surprised he hasn't just um, said The Lighthouse five times in a row already. <laughs> Everybody in this film uh, should be looked out for. This is really something special that that if you haven't seen it, you need to see it. I really think this is fantastic. Not just fans of horror. Fans of, fans film. of film yeah, in fans general. Fans of film in general, yeah. I think, need to watch this movie. There you go. That's high praise. Yeah. For number three, I picked Ari Aster's Midsommar. 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 I really thoroughly enjoyed that movie, although I can say I did not explain, or I didn't what? understand all of it. What did you say? Nothing. I didn't say his boo. <laughs> his, his boo, his. Um, I, like, he said, wrong. Uh like all of Ari Aster's films and short films, I really enjoy how he takes a look at, you know, family dynamic and tragedy and how people sort of cope and react to that. Yeah. Um, the cinematography of that movie was absolutely beautiful. It was, yeah. I like how in juxtaposition to most horror movies, it was all bright and cheerful. It almost made it more creepy to me. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of the ending, in comparison to something like Hereditary, but I think it was open to a lot of interpretation, which I I really do like. I feel like that's like Hereditary. It's one of those movies that you can sit and think about what, you know, what was it really about? What were parts of the movie that you didn't see the first time that you would see after a rewatch? Um, and I thought the acting was very good. I will say I think it's probably got the most memorable scene of the year. Yes. Which one? The orgy? Which which orgy? Yeah. No, not the but all right, so it's got two of the most memorable scenes of the year. No, the the cliff scene. Oh yeah. Or that when they make the guy into the friggin' the giant oh, bear yeah, when they yeah, turn yeah, into the bear. Like yeah. this was a great. This is a very good. It movie. was a it was a good movie. It was a good movie. I think that a lot of people have you know. I what did they say? Sophomore struggle or whatever. I disagree. Sophomore slump. Sophomore slump. I disagree. I think okay. the I think the big knock that the really the only legitimately big gripe I had with it was its its length, its runtime. Yeah. See, for me, it did not. Unlike it, which was what the second one, two, two and hours, hours and fifteen yeah. minutes or something like that. Yeah. That to me felt like a slog. Yeah. It felt like a long movie to me. Um, Midsummer did not. Okay. Yeah. It did to me. It's, I just, it doesn't mean, but I, I, I yeah. would happily watch this over it chapter two again. And yeah, I, I yeah. have to. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I would. And too. you know, I feel like a lot of times, and I this will be true for another. I probably the, you know the last movie is on my list is that we talk a lot about you know what is the point of remakes and when are people going to come up with creative ideas and when you know are we going to see something new? Mm-hmm. And I think that although this movie tried maybe a little bit too to do too much. At least it was creative and genuine, and it felt organic to me. Yeah, I, I can agree with all that. I can so, agree with all those points. So boo hiss to you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, number three for me is actually the same as Palmer's number three. Tigers are not afraid. Oh. Um, okay. Palmer, you said most of what you know this movie is about. Um, I think the big piece that's left out, if we're going into spoiler territory, is the kids are mostly trying to survive and avoid the cartel that's headed by uh, what turns out to be a politician. Yeah. Um, mm. The slow burn takes you with the kids as they survive their, uh, and tell their fairy tales, um, with the newest edition proving her worth and fighting back with the three wishes granted to her by her teacher at the beginning of the film. 
Uh, I found this movie to be wildly captivating, um, and as you mentioned, incredibly emotional and dark. Um, it includes things like getting to watch this politician slash cartel boss rape and beat a woman to death. Uh, you get to see, you, you actually see, and this this is the part that I found the most shocking, mm. is not one, but two children killed on screen. Brutally killed. Uh, one kid gets shot right in the chest and the other mm. one gets his fucking face blown off. Uh, completely separate times in the movie. So like, And one of the things that this uh, director did uh, was space them out enough where like, by the time you're getting over seeing the <laughs> right, first you've one, moved on. <laughs> she really just wrenches it home the second time um, because the sec or the the second time is the girl's third wish trying to fix a burn mm-hmm. that's on his face, and so she draws with her piece of chalk that makes these wishes um, to take away the burn, and you just see his fucking face explode. Oh my gosh! Um, <laughs> this movie. <laughs> The reason this movie's not higher on my list is I think it loses a bit of its cohesiveness when shoehorning in some of these supernatural elements uh, that, as Palmer mentioned, would easily be at home in a Del Toro flick. Um, despite that, the supernatural sequences I found were really well done. Mm. Um, and I think it's great that the story really... They did a really good job with this of not opening up the story so much until the third act when you finally understand the gravity of everything going on uh, because the cartel's after these kids because they stole somebody's phone. And what's on this phone is the video of the cartel boss, who's the politician, Mm. beating and killing a woman who turns out to be one of the kids' moms. Mm. Uh, And they they really slowly just kind of trickle this information out, which I think is great. Um, Also, legitimately enjoyed by Mary. Oh. Which is saying something since she hates most of the stuff I watch. Right. Um, Like... She came home, and I was probably about 25 minutes or so into it, and she just, like, sat down on the couch with me and started watching the whole thing. There you go. I was like... That's what I'm saying. Like, I think this one is one that, like, I think people that... Like, I definitely think horror fans will enjoy this movie, but I think people will... It'll, it'll have that same effect that Pan's Labyrinth did, I right. think. Yeah. You know, like, that, that, it, it hits the, a lot of the same points, I think. Uh, I, I, and I would agree. This is, this is the only movie on my list that I would consider a genre film, not a classic Horror, horror film flick. in the in the sense of that, uh, but yeah, that's there you go. Strangely in agreement with Palmer on number three. That, that's right. weird. Boo it's, hiss. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of want to boo hiss myself now. <laughs> like I said, if Parasite's on this list, then that moves down to four. So now I kind of want to make Parasite qualify. <laughs> uh, for me, number two is something I'm throwing a curveball at you guys. This is something that a lot of people probably thought was going to be my number one, but it's the Lighthouse. Uh, Lighthouse. Isn't... I honestly didn't even think it was going to be on your list. I thought you were just <laughs> fucking with me. <laughs> it's an ode to absurdity. Uh, director, director Robert Eggers has, has officially cemented himself as one of my favorite modern-day directors. Not just horror directors, but directors, period. Uh, his deep dive into madness is a, is a slight to the viewer in the sense that it's like a film that that really doesn't give a shit about what you think. <laughs> like, it doesn't give a fuck. Like, Sam just liked it, and I guarantee Robert Eggers doesn't give a fuck about that. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, I didn't, I didn't, I wouldn't say I even disliked it. It's just absurdist cinema. It, it, but that, I think that's the genius behind it. It, it like, exists... Like there are parts exist. of this, there are parts of this movie that I I legitimately love, and I will give Robert Eggers the credit he deserves. The dude is great behind a camera. Because mm. mm-hmm. there there are some great frame shots mm-hmm. in this movie. So what's it about? Nothing. <laughs> it's about lobsters 
<laughs> and Willem Dafoe on a leash. Okay. <laughs> Is there some like kinky gay shit in there? No. No, he turns oh. into a dog. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so like, it's it. <laughs> it single-handedly has given me a lot of respect for Robert Pattinson also. Um, yeah, he was actually. Really I told you guys. Whose film diaries for this movie are just as insane as the movie itself. How could uh, they not be? Almost going so far as to have him removed from the picture multiple times for creating an uncanny real-life tension between Willem Dafoe and himself because of his commitment to the character. Uh, the film makes absolutely no sense. It's pointless and explores <laughs> the most menial tasks of two men at the edge of their ropes with nowhere else to turn as they poke, prod, and destroy every last shred of sanity that they ever had. This is the Seinfeld of movies. But you like the lobster, right? <laughs> <laughs> this really, I don't know, that's the best way I can find to describe this. this that's is a perfect the, description. This is the Seinfeld of movies. And if I were to kind of point out, if it were somehow revealed that Larry David had something to do with this <laughs> script, I wouldn't be at all surprised. So when the director's cut comes out and it's just that Curb Your Enthusiasm song at the end right? of the credits roll. <laughs> what I think I loved most, aside from the absolutely batshit dialogue and one particular scene involving a leash and some dog walking, was the ending. In true Robert Eggers fashion, it offers no insights, no true conclusion to what we all just witnessed, just unfettered symbolism that leaves you to figure out what it all means. Yeah, this Marcellus Wallace's briefcase. <laughs> this is the rebellious teenager of movies. It doesn't want to conform to audience standards, and I applaud it sincerely for that. But then again, what else? What do you expect from a film where the two main characters are literally getting drunk off kerosene for the last thirty minutes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dang. That's, that's okay. <laughs> that's a that's a pretty apt description. <laughs> I I think if you go into the movie since you haven't seen it yet, Alex. It, if you go into the movie not expecting it to mean anything and really not even expecting it to make sense and just have fun watching the, the absurdity of the, this movie, the absurdist <laughs> realism of what happens when I'm not even going to say when you take two people, when you specifically take Robert Pattinson and <laughs> Willem Dafoe, Dafoe and stick them in a lighthouse on a fucking Scottish island in the middle of nowhere <laughs> or Maine, I guess in this case it's uh, northeastern, yeah. um, and stick them out there during a storm. For months at a time, mm. um, and just and enjoy just, that. Enjoy the dynamic between those two actual human beings. This is what you end up with: gay undertones. Mm -hmm. Like there's, there's lobsters. There's lobsters. <laughs> there's an ar there's a twenty minute argument about surf and turf. <laughs> <laughs> like like there's there's tentacle hentai. There's <laughs> there's fucking mermaids. <laughs> There's seagull abuse. <laughs> I, I yeah, just, this that movie is pretty fucking wild. <laughs> this this movie is unlike anything I've ever seen. <laughs> There's Robert Pattinson coming in and out of different accents because he's adopted different personalities throughout the movie <laughs> and over the course of his life. Like that's why, like I I, I am going to rewatch this movie since I fucking bought it. <laughs> right. Not to watch their characters, but to legitimately watch those two human beings devolve into madness. <laughs> like as actual people. As actual people. <laughs> because, like, make no bones about it, Willem Dafoe, I love the guy to He's death. He's always been you a little crazy, You strap a though. fucking beard on him and you still know it's Willem Dafoe. I don't give a shit what movie it's in. <laughs> yeah. It's, he's always Willem Dafoe. And this doesn't change that. There you go. The, uh, 
when you know when you read about the film too and you understand how much these two actors actually genuinely did hate each other okay. by the end of this movie because Robert Pattinson almost got fired during the readings for this movie okay. because he refused to read in character because he's apparently a character actor now uh, and then when he was <laughs> now we know why <laughs> and when he was on set as the movie progresses he was as shit faced imagine the scene from Jaws okay Oh, is he actually showing up drunk? He was showing up drunk as fuck. Like, there was that scene where they collapse on each other and they're almost about ready to make out. Yeah. After they (laughs) do their little dance around the table. Yeah, after they do their little dance. He was shit-faced. And Willem Dafoe looked, apparently, like, paused the filming of that scene and looked at the director and he said, if he throws up on me, I am going to beat the shit out of him. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. He was hammered. So Robert Pattinson is a character actor now? Apparently, he's the Edward Norton of fucking like... <laughs> I mean, as soon as I finished watching this, Mary was like, so are you a fan of Robert Pattinson? Yeah, I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> but I don't know if I ever actually want to hang out with this guy. Okay, well, I'm definitely going to watch this movie. It's just, it's just such a mindfuck of a film. It's if wild. It, it's one of those things that like, I think I think it's you should see it. Oh, I, yes, I would agree. I with would that. say you need you to probably... watch this movie more than once and space it out because mm-hmm. I've only seen it the one time. I've never seen a movie that I have simultaneously loved and despised until I watched this movie. All right. The entire time I've watched, both times that I've watched it since, it's just like I'm finding new one liners. <laughs> I'm quoting them to my wife until she's about ready to slap me in my face. <laughs> the, the rusty nail scene, dude, yeah. I'm literally just, <laughs> I'm just saying that left and right. <laughs> Jesus. It's got so many great one-liners, man. It's great. It's great. It's great. All right, Alex, go ahead. All right, for my number two. Um... I picked Climax. I think Sam covered most of the, you know, merits and wonderful parts about this movie. I just, this movie just left me with such dread throughout mm. the entire movie. I think out it's of all anxiety of, inducing. yeah, out of all of the movies on this list, um, this one by far made me feel the most anxious and actually, I mean, not scared, but just terrified, um, like you said, I really enjoy how throughout the entire movie, like I said, the camera work, you feel like you're part of this party when you're walking down the hallways, um, on the dance floor. Uh, and it's a very overstimulating movie with the, mm-hmm. you know, the drum and bass music. And then there's that kid screaming in the closet. And then there's, you know, the woman with her hair on fire running up <laughs> and down the hallway. And, uh, you know, there's people bleeding and people dancing and people pissing on the floor. And it's, people fucking. Like, it's my actual nightmare. <laughs> like, if, like someone getting locked outside. All you need is somebody rubbing shit in their open wounds. Right. Just, <laughs> like, just... like if, if there was a hell, for me, this is what it would be. Just a party where everyone has lost their goddamn minds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah! I could not peel my eyes away from from this movie. And there's that scene, and it, it starts off relatively calm too. The beginning where they have sort of those real world esque, you know, the interviews, interviews. You you get to know the characters, and they're very personable all of them you it seems like a really fun bunch of people that you would want to hang out with that you would want to go to a party with yeah and when they start busting out the punch and i'm like yeah absolutely i would totally drink that punch sober until psyche fucking doses them all yeah 
You know, did you... Which you don't find out until literally as the movie ends. So, did you have any inkling throughout the film that it was that person? Uh, I honestly completely forgot about her. I, did, I didn't forget about her, but I forgot about what she had said during her interview. Doesn't she say, like, she's never done drugs or something? No, or she, she said that she left... It's a spoiler. So, she left Germany because... There's everyone does drugs in oh, Germany. Okay. Remember, and she was talking about how her roommate used to put LSD in his mm. eyeballs, and yeah. then they ask her if she's ever done that, and she's just like, "It's crazy." Yeah, and I completely forgot all yeah. about that conversation. And when I see her putting fucking LSD in her eyeballs, a bunch of it, by the way, like yeah, like a whole fucking like a whole lot. like a. Whole, no, I thought it was because she was just gonna like talking about like a couple drops. No, it's a whole dropper. It's like a whole dropper full. And then she cries her acid tears. Yeah, she does. You know, and oh my god, just that movie. That I movie. just remember when we, when I first tried to watch it, I'm assuming when you first tried to watch it, is when we tried to watch it at your house. Oh god, yeah. And then we started it, and we were both like, oh, it's in French? Yeah. No, we need to watch something in English right now. I can't watch uh, movies with subtitles when I'm baby, like not babysitting, but when I'm looking after the, like hanging out with the baby, because yeah. he just requires too much attention, and I have to stare at the screen, obviously, to read. Yeah. My French is not that great. <laughs> so that was definitely... Um, it's also disorienting because they jump between French and English quite a few times in this movie. Yeah, so the majority of the, the cast obviously speaks French, but there are a couple of people who speak English. Yeah. Um, this movie was just... It was just absolutely dreadful in a very good way. <laughs> <laughs> so right. another A24 janks. Three of the... Five movies on my Was list. this an 824 yeah. one? Ah, I must have yeah. missed on that one. Climax on my list, Midsommar, and... Um, Kagazusa. In, no, In Fabric. In Fabric. Are all 824 movies. Mm. Okay. Sam? Uh, my number two uh, was, I think, Palmer's number four? Ready or not? Mm. Uh, so, you know, there's not much else to say about this one. Uh, like we mentioned earlier, uh, the trailers we thought gave away all the best parts. Almost, but not quite. Thanks for leaving out Grandma's death stare until we got to see it in the theater. Um, <laughs> the movie was campy. It was fun. It took some of the best bits of some of my favorite movies and my favorite types of horror comedies um, and twisted them together into a modern kind of clue with Satanists. Um, it was kind of like Clue. <laughs> without a doubt, this movie was my surprise of the year. Um, I, I was expecting to enjoy it when I went and saw it in theaters. I was not expecting to come out. Uh, loving it as much as I did, and uh, yeah, absolutely. And Palmer, you're absolutely right. The more you watch this movie, the more little things you find. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it's just such a, a great, fun time. Um, and it, it's honestly, it's been in my top five since we walked out of the theater. Yeah, this is so your type of movie too. Yeah, this is exactly the kind of like, janks that you like. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, n- number one. <laughs> uh, this one for me, I think, is not going to be a surprise to you two, at least. Uh, the, the Nightingale. Do you say The Lighthouse? <laughs> oh, The Nightingale. The yeah. Nightingale. Um, this is the second film from Babadook director Jennifer Kent, probably her best film so far. Uh, the Nightingale is a tale of what happens when somebody is pushed to their very limits. After lies, rape, and abuse from her slave owner, Irish convict turned indentured servant Claire bears witness to the death of her family. Driven by rage, she goes on a revenge-fueled trek through an Australian wilderness to find the perpetrators and bring them to justice with her own two hands. Um, This is far from what you might expect from something along the lines of, like, I Spit on Your Grave or the recent film Revenge. Um, It's not an exorbitant look at the glorified violence of vengeance. It's a character study of how these events break and humiliate a person to their very core. Um, it's also a great portrayal of the dynamics of and race relations that existed back then, even 
um, between slaves and indentured servants alike of different races. Um, how they don't view themselves as equals. Right. Uh, it might be because I'm a parent now, but this film really affected me. Um, it's an extremely hard movie to watch. The first half hour literally bringing tears to my eyes. Um, did you watch this one with Kelly? No. No, 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 no. no. Um, did I? No. No. I remember you telling me about this after you watched it. I just couldn't remember if you watched it. Yeah, this, this was... I, the, harrowing is really the best word to describe the first like half hour of this film. Um, it settles down a little bit afterwards with peace and valleys, but but the first half hour it's it is a rough watch. Um, mm. Like you said, I don't know if it's because I'm I'm a new parent, but this really left me thinking about it for a long time. Um, it perfectly portrays what I think the realism of revenge would be, mm. how it eats at us, how it kind of. Um, Affects us mentally and physically. If we ever actually got to exact the revenge that we yearn for, how we would respond to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that this is a really. It's not a horror film in the sense that the Babadook was. Um, I'm talking about that. This this is one you said you'd consider a genre film, but not necessarily a horror film. Yeah, yeah, but it's definitely f- a film too extreme for most audiences. I can see why there was so much backlash about the violence in it. Um, one thing's for certain, though, I think Kent has totally shattered the idea of a sophomore slump. Mm. If if Babadook was kind of like her entry point, this is her this is her masterpiece. Like I don't I don't know how else to describe it. This this film is one of those films that I think nobody will want to see more than one time, <laughs> but should should be seen simply because if you can make it past the first half hour. It has so much more to say mm. than what it appears at face value. And I think that's that's why I put it in number one okay. ahead of everything else. Excellent. So for my number one video of 2019, I feel like y'all are going to hate me. I picked us. Really? I did. Rip. I'm, I'm shocked by that. I did. Actually. I've rewatched it several times. Since We're going to be saw... finding a new podcast co host <laughs> at the end of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, since I saw it the first time, I guess we all went to go see it together. I've rewatched mm-hmm. it a couple times. Um, and it's, I easily enjoy it more than Get Out. I really? think it's a much more creative and well thought out movie. Um, I mean, I think it's more creative. Maybe we just don't get it, man. Maybe you guys just don't get it, man. <laughs> I mean, I, I definitely agree with you. I think it's more creative. I think I think it's also less uh, like fleshed out. No, like socially topical. Which I think is fine. I don't think that every movie needs to be socially no, that, topical. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I, th- I think this movie is going to stand up better in the long run than Get yeah, Out. Yeah, I, th- I, you know, it's it is a, it's a really good movie. I think when you go back and watch it a second and third time, there's a lot of things that I didn't pick up with the first time. It has they been on HBO like yeah, every they night. don't lay it out for you as much as as Get Out does, but I like that about it. I think the acting was really good. You really, you know, you really do enjoy that family, um, and I think the twist at the end. The introduction of Hands Across America is just random but hilarious. <laughs> um, it's just a really damn good movie. And I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Okay. All right. Palmer has lost a little bit of respect yeah, he, and interest you, you in everything You can't see him right tonight. now, but he literally will not look me in the eye. We should take a picture of Palmer's face and put it on Twitter. Yeah. 
You know, and it's so funny about this movie, too, that there is such a vast discrepancy about, you know, people thinking that it is easily one of the best movies of 2019, and then people thinking that it's just utter trite garbage. So... I That's mean, the face of people who think it's utter trick garbage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, it's a stylish video. Nipita Nyong'o is amazing. She is great in that. Yeah, well, I don't think any of us criticized her no. performance. I think we've all been saying that the but acting across that, like, the board is pretty good. This but, is like, such a creative movie. Like, I don't understand. Is it? Yeah. What if it is not creative? Everything? So what other movies where people come from the ground and they're living there for their whole lives waiting until one day to take over the world with Hands Across America? Uh, Time Machine. It was written back in like the fucking 30s. <laughs> <laughs> no, the Hands Across America thing, obviously not. But right? Plenty of stuff where people have come out of the center of the earth. Well, Roger Corman from, probably directed like five of them himself. They're not coming from the center of the earth. They're coming from underground. Yeah, underground under your towns and they're your doppelgangers. Also, the way that they use lighting in this movie, I never really realized the first time. It's... Really? That's going to be your breaking no, point? No, I'm just saying. It's, it's just another thing that I noticed that's really, really good no, about no, no, this no, movie. No, no, no. I'm happy for you. I'm, <laughs> I'm happy for you, Alex. And I, honestly, I'm, I'm, I, I'm glad that movie... I am glad that movie made the top five for one of I, us to validate the fact that it's literally in the top five of everybody's fucking list out there. I think that you guys should there. go back and I will go back and again. rewatch it. I have not watched it since theaters. But it is on literally every night on at least two different HBO shows. Yeah. I'll, t- I'll tell you what. I'll go do, go back and do a double feature of Midsommar. Okay. And Us. Yeah. Dude, I don't cool. have seven Midsommar. hours to kill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I just, I watched it on HBO yeah. a couple times. And, I, you know, every single time I watched it. And I and I watched it more because it was something that I'd already seen. And so I could be distracted. But I kept picking up little things that I missed. And I was, like, putting things together. And I just think it's such a good movie. I just don't get it, man. That's all right, man. You can you can be like our Some, listeners and yeah. get it. That's true. Some people say it's convoluted. I don't think it's convoluted. I think it's really creative and excellently okay. acted. All right. Uh, my number one movie of the year. Uh, so the the only American movie was Ready or Not. This one. That really caught me off guard. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, my number one movie of the year. I'm going to the other side of the world for this one. One Cut of the Dead. Okay. It's my best movie of the year. Uh, sneaking in at number one because it's something I've never seen before. You got two movies in one, a zombie film and a making of of said zombie film. Uh, all jammed into one package, and it make they make it actually work. Uh, this Korean movie opens in the middle of a zombie attack, only to learn it's a movie about zombies, only for that to turn into footage of actual zombies attacking, only for that to become a story of how a low-budget director was asked to make a single-shot zombie flick for a local channel, and everything that went wrong with the production of said movie, uh, and how one family came together to make it work. Um... I, is, is it funny? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so the first half is not. So okay. unfortunately, knowing this, if you have not seen this movie, I have completely spoiled it for you because the best part of this movie is the first 45 minutes, which is a single take shot of this zombie film. Okay. Um, is not funny at all. It, it plays out like a traditional zombie movie. Okay. And then everything that happens afterwards, it turns into, like, the making of uh-huh. um, and shows how all of the plot holes that you see in the zombie movie came to be because of issues that are going on on set. Okay. And, like, the actors having to improvise, which is why there are certain scenes that make no sense. Um, it's it's mesmerizing to see all of the bits and pieces fall into place. Um, mesmerizing? Yeah, like, there, there's no other word for it because it, it, it is like watching 
Uh, I don't think I've ever heard you describe anything as mesmerizing. Do you I'm pretty sure I said that about movie? Mandy. <laughs> a little bit. Maybe. A little bit. Maybe I do. <laughs> you want to bone this movie, don't you? Maybe I do. I mean, yes. You want you want to be America and have us put its hands across you. I do, I do. Hands across America. Good for you. (laughs) Palmer doesn't give a shit about anything else that happens tonight. His movies are so depressing and sad. Good for you. No, I think. Good for you. Good for me. my first three movies were kind of depressing and sad. Well, yeah, y'all are just picking some depressing. I mean, Double Date wasn't depressing, but I had Ready or Not and One Cut of the Dead in my top two. All right, um, you know, all Palmer's movies are sad and depressing. The Lighthouse is a fucking comedy. <laughs> anybody it's who says otherwise, comedy, Alex. <laughs> anybody who says otherwise is wrong. <laughs> I will say though, I did not get a chance to watch as many movies this year as I have in previous. Um, Babies will do that too. Previous years, yeah. so I did kind of glue on to movies that I had seen before and rewatch them, which I think. Um, several of which I think is the reason why several of the movies on my list are movies that I originally was kind of lukewarm about. Once I got a chance to rewatch them a couple of times, I think I found a new you know appreciation for them. I do have okay. a couple like honorable mentions I want to just burn through real quick for people yeah, that sure. might not have seen them. Um, I'd highly recommend Starfish. Was it oh, mesmerizing? Uh, it kind of audio wise, it was okay. Um, it's written, directed, and scored by musician A.T. White, who's the lead singer and songwriter for a band called Ghostlight. If you want to be depressed, listen to them. Um, it's more uh, depressing stuff. I know, right? Y'all are stuff. killing me. <laughs> um, no, I mean ultimately, this movie is shades of Cloverfield with monsters mixed with a touch of annihilation or the endless, and a pummeling sense of loneliness, grief, and isolation. I think this movie scored so high for me because you I feel watched isolated it. Isolated and lonely. I watched it towards the end of my vacation, mm. where it was like six straight days of me sitting right there by myself watching movies. Um, and so, yeah, this movie spoke to me by that point. Okay. Um, Daniel Isn't Real, also really good. Uh, that was really good. So what is Daniel that Isn't Real? Was, if I had a top ten, it would have made it in that top ten. <laughs> this would have been in my top ten. What happens if you make Fight Club a horror movie and you let Arnold Schwarzenegger's kid beat the shit out of the psyche of a guy who dreamed him up as a child? Uh, what if you lay the framework for discussing mental illness without ever talking about it or getting past the surface? Instead, covering it with platitudes and condescending therapy sessions, you end up with this. Um, Dynamite practical effects, uh, and they were all practical effects, which is awesome bonus points for that. Um, Provocative uh, imagery that litters the film despite its small budget, um, which unfortunately lends itself to uh, not that much money for writing dialogue. Um, (laughs) Despite the fact that I couldn't think of anything more than Horror Fight Club by the time I was done, definitely worth a watch. Um, I don't this movie is a French movie. I don't know if it's Knife Plus Heart or Knife and Heart or Knife in Heart. What is it? Oh, right, the, right, right, right. The, the English title says Knife Plus Heart. I think it's supposed to be Knife heart. and Heart. Knife yeah. and Heart. Um, this is porn as a backdrop done well. It's uh, porn? So, so porn as a backdrop done well. Take that deep murder. Um, this, <laughs> this French film calls back to a simpler time, a dirtier time, a sexier time. Gialli. Sexy. Uh, set in the late 70s, scored by M83, so bonus points for that. <laughs> It is with M83. Alex likes M83. Oh, I do love M83. Scored by M83 and dealing with the on-again, off-again love of a gay porn director and her film editor. This whodunit is a movie in a movie where one person's making a new film, one person's editing it and trying to stay away from the director, and one person is graphically murdering the actors with sex weapons like a switchblade dildo and a deep throat ramrod cock. Um, That sounds fun. Yeah. Awesome movie. (laughs) 
Totally like French. A blast. Yeah. Like a blast. <laughs> awesome movie. Totally French. Uh, and then the only other one that I would recommend, so I think we've all generally agreed that Netflix has not done the best job with genre films or horror films, uh, given their track record. Um, every once in a while, though, they put one out that, uh, directed by Mike Flanagan usually, but not in this case. It's right? <laughs> actually really good. Uh, the Silence, their best attempt at horror this year. Uh, Stanley Tucci and Kiernan Shipka make a good pair in this one. Uh, which is a Netflix take of A Quiet Place. Instead of giant monsters, you get ravenous, murderous, bat-like creatures. Oh, uh, right. I think this movie would have made a bigger impact had A Quiet Place not already existed. Yeah. Uh, but definitely like this one more than expected, considering what Netflix usually puts out. I'm surprised you like this one more than... I don't know. I Bird like Box? A lot of people did not like this movie. I saw it on a lot of Which is why this movie doesn't have most lists. of the uh, bird box memes. <laughs> yeah, it didn't have a lot of memes. Nah, no memes for this one. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Um, I feel like we talked about a lot of the ones that are on my honorable mentions. Of course, Ready or Not is on there. I just wanted to give a, a props out to, I don't know if you guys watched it on Netflix. It's a show, Two Sentence Horror Stories. You know, I just saw that pop up on my Netflix the other day. I have not watched yeah, it yet. Yeah, some of them are good. Some of them are really good. There's a few that are kind of meh, but I just found out about it, I don't is, know, a couple so weeks is ago. Is it a series or is it a movie? It's a, it's a series, and every episode is a different two-sentence story. Okay. Hmm. And it's good. Are they like 30-minute or feature-length? Uh, uh, no, I think that they're, I want to say 30 or 40 minutes. Okay. So they're not long. Okay. Um, and they kind of take on that, you know, idea from Reddit and just kind of run with it. I know Palmer uh-huh. didn't because he doesn't have Hulu. Did you watch any of the Into the Dark stuff on Hulu that no. came out this year? No, I did not. Um, and then the only other one I have on here is Girl on the Third Floor, that sort of haunted house movie oh, with yeah. um, that was good. CM Punk. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty good. Right. <laughs> it was it was kind of, it was a trip. Okay. I liked it. Uh, my two honorable mentions are Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Um... I really thought this movie did a great job with the material, tackling some of the best uh, that the, the best shorts that the series had to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, but it offered a little bit of a curveball with with an original character, the Jangly Man. Mm-hmm. That guy was legit fucking scary. Oh really? Like actually, like uh, in this, you haven't seen it. No. Rented it or something. It's actually a really good movie. Rented it or something. It's pretty, it's pretty I think good. it's available on streaming services now. Oh, is it? I, I, I rented so. it on Amazon. I think it was like four bucks. Okay. Um, but I had a lot of fun with it. All right. Um, and then my other my other honorable mention, I'm going to get some flack for this, uh, Child's Play. I, uh, Where are you going to get flack for that? A lot of people did not like A lot of people did not like this movie. Well, a lot um, of people are apparently wrong. <laughs> but was it mesmerizing? Uh, yes. No, it was not mesmerizing. Um, Did you watch that fucking movie? Did you watch One Cut of the Dead? No. Did you watch One Cut of the Dead? Yeah. I I was not as enthralled by it. He did not find it mesmerizing. I fucking loved it. I was not as enthralled. I think I turned it off about halfway through. Um, So you didn't even get to like the best part? I did. It's, it no, was no. not for I don't me. think any of us agree with each other's top one. <laughs> but I think this is the most diverse list we've had across yeah. all the years. I feel like last I feel year like we repeated a lot. We hit a lot of the same notes. This I think is, there yeah, were like, two also films. like the least traditional like yeah. we had list. Two, we had one that was the same. Mm-hmm. You and I had. Yeah, we had Tigers We're Not zero. Afraid of Three. Zero. You two and had the one that was the same. We, had we both had Climax. So Sam is the connecting. Yeah. Bit. Piece here. Sam's the basic bitch. I am the basic bitch. Mesmerizing. That's why you guys invited me. <laughs> to um, join in the first place. 
but I thought Child's Play was smart. It was a good reboot. Updated for modern audiences that packed uh, fun and gore in equal measure. So fuck you if you're hating on it. Was it actually as violent as they were saying it was going to be? I it was pretty it. gory. Was it? I like gore. It was pretty. Have you have a, you guys haven't no, seen it? No, it's it. Fu- it's a fun movie. I'm gonna watch it. it. It's been on my I list. I just, I, I yeah, it's been on my list. I just, I just have just watched us like five times. I had a good time. <laughs> with it. I had a good time with it. Uh, best of the decade. We're gonna kind of blow by blow this. Uh, we're not gonna go too much into the details of why we chose for all these. We're just gonna yell be, at each other. But it'll be a quick synopsis are, are of each picking picking each each year. Which end are we starting at? Uh, we'll start with the you, butt. Sam. No, no, like. <laughs> Uh, start I mean, in if we're starting with me, I'm the butt. Start okay. in 2010. <laughs> okay. 